Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about lives being changed. So if you've been positively affected by Velocity Church, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Thanks and enjoy the message. Hey, but we're in a new series and a new season. And like Amanda said, we kicked off a brand new location today and I just got back from preaching there and it was phenomenal, just a full house and just so cool to see what God is doing. Tons of people gave their lives to Christ at the end and just so cool to be a part of a church that God is using and that God is moving through and I wanna thank you for that. And you might be here, it's your first time and you're thinking like, okay, well, it's all things new or are you gonna be telling us, pastor, like how we can have a fresh start or how we can begin again? Or maybe it's just the idea that coming to church is a new experience for you. And, you know, if that's the case, I'm glad you're here. But while those things would be good to talk about, uh, what I really want to do today is give you a glimpse of my heart. And I also want to give you a glimpse of what God has in store for you. You know, the truth is, if you are in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Jesus and what he has done for you at the cross, scripture says you're already new. So we're not like trying to be new, like you are already new. And sometimes we fall back into our old way of life. Sometimes we fall back into our old way of living. And that's why it's so important that we reaffirm and remember and rehearse what Jesus did for us at the cross because he made us new. And as we do that, as we do that, it changes and it impacts our everyday life, our Monday through Friday. And so the application, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, the application's obvious, but you might be here and maybe you're, you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe you're here and you're just kind of checking it out. You're thinking, okay, that's cool, but maybe it's not for me. Well, I just want to say the fact that you're here, it at least speaks to the fact that maybe you're curious. Maybe you're curious about who Jesus is or really why, why do people follow him or, or what's it mean to be part of a church or, or why, why gather or why do two locations? Why do multiple services? Like, like I don't, I'm just kind of curious. I don't really get it. And if that's you, I'm just going to tell you that before we're done, this is a great Sunday to be here because you're going to get a glimpse really of what's available to you and, and what it means to be in Christ. And you're going to have a better idea by the time we're finished uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so if you can hold on for just the next 30 minutes, uh, I think you're going to get something out of this. And where I want to start today uh, is with the passage of scripture in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament, if you're not a Bible person, not familiar with the Bible, the New Testament is a section of the Bible that deals with the life and ministry of Jesus and the life of early Christians. And so it's a great place to read if you want to know, because it tells us how to live and how we can relate to God because of what Jesus did at the cross. That's what the New Testament is. And where I'm going to start reading is in a book called Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is a letter that this guy Paul wrote to a church. And Paul, if you don't know anything about him, I'll tell you a quick bio of his life. He's an interesting character, really significant in the New Testament, but interesting because he didn't start out as a Christ follower. He, in fact, he started out as a Jesus hater. That was his life. He, his life's mission was to seek out Christians, seek out people who had professed faith in Christ, find them, shut them down, beat them, kill them. That's what he set out to do. But one day when he was on mission to do just that, he had an encounter with Jesus. It was a divine encounter. You can read about it in Acts. And he, in that moment, his life mission changed. 
all of a sudden, instead of being a Christ hater and a Christian killer, he made it his life's mission to proclaim the truth about Jesus and that he is who he says he is and that, that God's word is true. And so that's a little bit in his life. He, he went around starting churches and, and this one church in Ephesus, he started and he writes this letter to them. And interesting about this letter is it's not just a letter to a church. Now it is to a group of new believers at a city called Ephesus. And the thing I like about Ephesus is it's a city would have been similar to Lawrence because this city, it was a significant city, a recognizable city in its region. It stood out. Um, it, it was unique within the area that it was in. And the other thing about the city, it, it was a city that had a lot of culture, a lot of art. It was a city that, that uh, was very curious about spiritual things. And so uh, Paul, he, he writes this letter to this group of new believers, but he has every intention that this letter isn't just gonna stay with them, but that they're gonna take this letter and share it throughout the region. And as we find out just through history, the cool thing about this church is that it became the center and hub for evangelism in this region. And so Paul writes this letter and, and when he starts it out, he, he's talking about some doctrine and how it applies to their life. He's, he's talking about who they are in Christ now that they've made a decision to follow Christ. And, He's talking about their purpose and God's plan for them and how they can understand that and how they can walk it out and live it out. And he's talking about how they've been saved and it's not through their own effort. And where we're gonna jump in is in chapter two, verse 11. And we'll put the words on the screen so everybody can follow along. And where we jump in, this is what he says. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, now because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. And I gotta stop right there for just a minute because this verse is very significant to me personally. Uh, this is verse 13 of Ephesians chapter two. And this verse is really the verse that God directed me to, the verse that God gave me when, when my wife and I, when Velocity was just still a dream in our heart, when we had no idea that you would be here and all these people would show up and all the lives that would be changed and we were praying, God, what do you wanna do in and through this church and how do you wanna use us? He directed me to this verse, Ephesians 2.13. And the way I learned it, the translation I was familiar with said, you who were once far off have now been brought near. You know, that's the mission of our church. You probably walked by the sign. I don't know if you recognized it when you came in, but that's why we exist, to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. And the reality is all of us, regardless of where we're at, we have different areas in our life where we're not submitted to God, areas in our life where we're not as close to God as we would like to be. And I just wanna let you know that's why this church exists, so that you can find some progress. You can be on mission. You can just put one foot in front of the other and find some hope in Jesus. You can come near to Christ through just coming here every week. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But I like how Paul says it in this translation. He says, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. We all love to be insiders. We love to have the inside track, to have the inside scoop. I, I wanna skip ahead to verse 19 though. He says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. 
The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. And I want to use these words that Paul wrote to title my message. And if it's your first time here, I usually give you titles for my sermons so you can take notes and give you something to look back at. And studies so that people who take notes go to heaven. So I just encourage you to do that. <laughs> but I'm calling this message today, You Belong here. You belong here. It's not a clever title, but if you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to hear it. I want you to let God speak that to your heart. And I, I want to share this too. You know, I actually had a completely different message planned for today on Monday, actually all the way up to Wednesday, I had a different message planned. And I was going over my, my draft on Wednesday and I was reading it and I really just felt God speak to me. That's not the message for this weekend. And uh, maybe that seems kind of strange to you, but I'll just tell you, like, when I look at the life of Jesus, uh, one thing I see is that Jesus would often deviate from a plan just to reach one person. And I think that God might still want to do that today. And so I don't know, this might just be for one person. And God wants you to know he cares about you enough that he would change my message just so you could hear what God wants you to hear. So I hope you hear that because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to explain this scripture. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. We'll be out of here in 30 minutes. But I believe that this is for somebody today. So would you pray with me? And God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that you speak to us every time we open your word. And God, I'm asking that you would do that today, that you would use me, that as I speak, it would be your words going forth, not my words, not my ideas, not my opinions. But God, let your word go forth. Let it let it be like a seed sown on good ground. Let, let the ground be people's hearts, Father, and let it take root and produce fruit in their life, God. I'm asking that you'll do this, and I know you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, I'm curious how many of you are like me. How many of you, your phones are overloaded with photos? Anybody, like your phones are overloaded with pictures? Uh, number of hands went up. I'm constantly having to delete pictures off of my phone because it's overloaded with photos. Now, uh, one thing you need to understand, it's not because I'm a big photo taker, photographer, if you want to get technical about it, <laughs> public school. And, uh, and I'm not down on public school. It was the goodest thing I ever did. But, uh, but I, I'm not a big photo taker, uh, photographer. I, I don't take a lot of photos. The reason that my phone is so overloaded with photos is because my kids grab my phone, and they take all these pictures, and like, they take selfies of themselves. They take pictures of random body parts. I would show you what I mean, but it is not appropriate for Sunday morning. Nobody wants to see that. I don't know why they can't just be like normal kids. I mean, why, why can't just take my phone and play video games on it like every other American child? No, they, they want to take photos. They're obsessed with photos of themselves, and like, it's just crazy because it's, it's not like back in the day. Like, back in the day, uh, we had one camera, we had one roll of 35 millimeter film, and that stuff was expensive to get developed. So you didn't just waste that on pictures of your kids. At least that's what my parents told me. You know, they, they, would, they would save it for special occasions. And, and now it's not just like the sheer amount of photos that we take. It's the fact that we have so many options with photos. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I don't know if you ever open your phone. There's, there's like uh, there's time lapse you can take. I'm never good at that because uh, it's like, you know, I always like get it blurry. I never can quite get it right. There's, uh, there's slow-mo. How many of you like slow-mo? Uh, I, I like the slow-mo. 
uh, that there's, and, and I'm, I'm just listing um, things that are on the iPhone. I don't know what it's like on Android. I have an iPhone because I'm a Christian, but I don't know what it's like on, on yours. But um, uh, there, there's time-lapse, there's slow-mo, there's, there's photo, video, there's square, and there's, there's pano. Pano short for, for panoramic. And uh, I'm not like a great photographer. I don't take a lot of photos. I'm never going to have a great Instagram account. Uh, uh, Justin D. Jenkins, if uh, you want to follow me, uh, it'll bless your life. I just throw that in there. But I'm never going to have a great Instagram. I'm just not like great at photos. But, but I do got to tell you, there is one that I like more than others, and that's the pano, the, the, the panoramic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a pro pano, if you want to know the truth about it. And I just thought it'd be cool, uh, just be appropriate this morning, uh, that I would just uh, show you my skills. I'll maybe post this, post this later. But I'm just going to do a, a pano right now. So you're going to be on camera. You've got to make sure you, you look good. All right, and it's, it's kind of like a game. Like you gotta, you gotta like uh, keep it on the on the yellow line. You gotta keep it centered, and uh, it, it's really cool to do. Um, so, so we just did that pro, pro pano. But I'll tell you what I like about the pano. The thing I like about the pano is that you get a wide angle view. You get a whole perspective in one shot. You know, you get you get this panoramic view. You get to see the whole th- thing you couldn't see with just just a single photo. You can get cram or you get the beginning and the end. You get a wide view. And the truth is, that's the same thing I love about the Bible. The Bible gives us a big picture view, a full-scale view of our life. And if we're just running with this analogy of phones and, and photos, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, the truth is our life is filled, just like my phone is filled, with self. Just like my kids fill my phone with selfies, our life is filled with self. We're, we're filled with, okay, what is the best decision for me? What career path should I take? What, what, you know, what move should I make? Who should I marry? Did I even marry the right person? And, you know, how can I be a better dad? How can I be a better mom, grandparent, grandfather? You know, what's, what's God's will in my relationship? How, you know, what's the best? How can I be better? And just hear me, like, I'm not down on any of that. I'm not, I, I think that I love drive. I love people that set goals. I think that God is for you. I, I think that God wants the best for you. I'm not down on any of that. But let me just tell you that I think God has a different perspective that he wants to give us. I, I think he doesn't want our life to just be filled with self and, and filled with all these things and how can I make a move and what's gonna be good for me. But he wants to say, hey, let me just change the perspective. Let me give you a wide angle view of your life. And what if, what if God wants to do that for you today? What, what if there's something that God wants to say to you that, that's gonna change your perspective give you a bigger picture, zoom out a little bit and help you see the full scale of what God has for you. Now, I know that some of you, you're like, okay, well, that's, that's great for you, preacher, pastor, but I, I, I don't even know that like, I mean, you're talking about hearing from God. Honestly, that sounds a little bit strange to me. God has never spoken to me. If he did speak to me, I don't even know what God would say in that scenario. Like you just, you kind of lost me with that. And look, man, I, I understand. Like, like that maybe does sound strange. It, it does seem strange. So, so rather than tell you that God wants to speak to you in this service, in this moment, which I believe he does, how about if we just look together at something that God already said? And let's look at what God already said. And maybe he wants to say that same thing he said to you. You know, what's interesting in scripture is that when you look at the New Testament, you look at the life of Jesus, 
there are two recorded times that God the Father spoke to God the Son, Jesus. Two recorded times in Scripture. It's first mentioned in Matthew, and then it's repeated in Mark and Luke. Those are books that talk about the life and ministry of Jesus. And what's fascinating is that these two times that God spoke out loud, people heard it, it's recorded. He said the exact same thing. Didn't deviate from it. Wasn't like two different things. He said the same thing. Not just like what he said, but even when he said it is kind of strange. And I want to share it with you because I believe that within this is something, the reason God spoke it out loud is because within this, there's, there's something that he wants us to hear. It's first time it's, it's spoken is found in Matthew chapter three, verse 17. And this is what he says. This is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. I, I, I find it completely fascinating that the only time God ever spoke, two times, he said this short sentence and said the exact same thing. I mean, why would he do that? And, and why even like at the time, because like if it's me, like if I'm somehow involved in this equation, I'm God or I'm Jesus or I'm somewhere involved in this, I'm thinking like, why would you say that and why would you say it then? Because like, I mean, if it's me, it's like, okay, maybe give me some inside information. You know, uh, I, I would feel like I know that. Uh, maybe, um, you know, like tell me how this is gonna play out. Maybe the timing of it would be better. Because like he speaks, this is when he's being baptized. Like, you know, maybe you could say it like when all the soldiers came and wanted to crucify him. Like that would be a good time. Like just let people hear it right then. But he says during his baptism and then during the transfiguration, which I know it's kind of a religious word, but if you keep coming back, I'll explain it sometime. He, he, he says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And the reason I believe God said that and repeated it and said it out loud for other people to hear is because within this is something for us that he wants us to hear. Uh, within this text is really something that I think we all long to hear. These same words, whether it be uh, from a husband, a wife, whether it be from a father, mother, parent, you know, a significant relationship in our life. We all want to hear these words, and I'll explain it to you. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for the leaders and mentors that God has put in my life, but can I just tell you, friend, I don't care how good your life is. I don't care how much you're crushing it in your career. I don't care how great your marriage is. All of us want to hear this in whatever significant relationship we have, and I'll explain it to you. The, the first one is this. He says, this is my son. We all want a sense of belonging. We, we, we all want to belong. He, he just, God just kind of lays it out there. This is my son. No qualification. You know, no, no you got to jump through. This is my son. And we all want a, a sense of belonging. In fact, people will go to great lengths just to feel like they belong. Have you ever noticed that? Like the thing that gets me is, is have you ever seen um, like bumper stickers on people's cars? I mean, you live in Lawrence, so of course you've seen bumper stickers on people's cars. You know, sometimes I think people are just holding their car together with bumper stickers, if you want to know the truth. But, but bumper stickers on, on people's cars, it's, um, it's not really even just the bumper stickers. And I'm, just, I'm not against any of this. If this is you, uh, you know, more power to you. But like, sometimes like people, they get like, you know, the big window decals, like on the back, like a Nike swoosh or something. And what's crazy about that to me is, is like, that's not even really for them, because they're not looking at it. It's for everybody else to see that this is who I identify with. Like I'm, I'm part of this. this. This is the culture. This is the philosophy uh, that, that I belong to. 
And can I just tell you, if you don't get anything else out of it, I want you to hear this. I want you to know that you can belong here. Not just that you can belong here, that you do belong here. We have a saying at our church where we say, you can belong before you believe. I want to explain that to you because I don't know your story. I don't know what baggage you walked in here carrying. I don't know the pain that you've endured. Maybe you're not sure where you stand with Jesus. Maybe you don't know what you believe about God. Uh, maybe you grew up in church and life happened and you're, just, you're not even sure what you believe anymore, but you're here today. I just want to tell you, this is a place that you can belong before you believe. Now, I need to clarify that in just a minute because you can belong here before you believe, but you're also in a place that really does believe. Like we really do believe that the Bible is God's word. Like we really do believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's God in the flesh, born of a virgin, that the Bible, it's not just a collection of stories or it's not just a book of morals or ancient wisdom, but that when we open the Bible, it's God's word. And when we open the Bible, he speaks to us. We really do believe that, but I wanna let you know that you can belong here. That's what the church is. You know, that's why we come to church. It's not to meet other people. It's because God meets us. And when he meets us, he, he not only shows us where to change, but he gives us the power to change. And that's what's so great about the church is that that's where life change happens. There's, there's power that's available. He, he makes us new. It's through the power of Christ. And so I want to tell you today that you can belong here and, and you do belong here. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a sense of belonging, but not just belonging. We're, we're looking for affection. He says, this is my son whom I love, whom I love. We're, we're all looking for love. We, we want to give love, we wanna have love, we wanna be loved, we are looking for love. And in fact, some people are so desperate for love in their life that they go looking in dangerous places. That's why people get trapped in addictions. That's why people stay in abusive relationships. They know it's not good for them. They know it's not healthy. It's obvious from anybody on the outside, but they become so convinced that they're unlovable, that they couldn't find love anyplace else, that they stay in situations that aren't healthy and that aren't good. All of us are looking for love. We wanna be loved and have love. And the great thing about God is he didn't just say that he loved his son. I mean, the most famous scripture in all the Bible, John three sixteen, says, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? I mean, that's how you know what love is by what you're willing to give. He gave his son. But I want to tell you today, God doesn't just have love for you. He is love. That's his nature. That's, that's who he is. And the good news about that is that because God is love, you know what that means? That means that he loves you as much on your bad days as he does on your good days. It doesn't change. He, he loves you just as much when you can feel his love, just as much when you can't feel his love. He, he loves you just as much whether or not you think you deserve it. That's how much he loves you. That's his nature. He can't change. And so we're looking to belong. We're, we're looking for affection, for love. But, you know, we're also looking for affirmation. He says, this is my son whom I love with him. 
I am well pleased. Now, all of us want to know that somebody's pleased with us. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants to feel like a failure. We all want our lives to matter. We all want to make a difference. At least we should. Nobody wants to fail. And even though I would tell you that you know, failure is part of life, and I think failure is okay, and sometimes whenever you're stepping out to do something new, like failure is a part of it, and can't be afraid to fail and embrace failure, and there's good things about it. But I would just tell you, despite all that, the thing that really makes the difference is when you know that you're affirmed, when you know that somebody is pleased with you. And what's crazy to me about this passage, remember, God spoke this, the Father spoke this to his son before his ministry ever even started. God, why would, why would you say that right then and there? Like, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He, he hasn't preached one sermon. He hasn't healed one person, worked one miracle, done any good work. God, how in the world can you say that you're pleased with him when he hasn't done anything for you to be pleased with? Maybe that's because this is a picture of how God sees things differently than you and I see things. It's a different perspective. And maybe, maybe that's why you feel like you can't do anything right and how you're falling short of your expectations and how your life is a contradiction from what you want it to be. Maybe that's because you need to hear these words just like God himself is speaking them to you. This is my son. This is my daughter. Whom I love. I am well pleased. Seems so strange. Now I know, I know like already in the room that there's some of you who are, who are like, okay, well, hey, that's great. That, that is, I'm, I'm happy for you, pastor, but like that's the Bible. I, I'm I don't believe the Bible. I'm not even sure if I believe the Bible. So why, why can I believe that? Well, what's interesting is even though the Bible says this, the, the truth is that science confirms it. Just this week, I was reading an article in Inc. Magazine. They were talking about how to create a successful culture in the workplace, how, how to create a successful culture with your employees, a healthy culture, a successful culture. And they cited this study that was done. They said, you need these, science says, that was the title of the article, science says you need these three things. You know what they were? Belonging. People want to feel like they belong. Safety. Love makes you feel safe. They want to feel like what they're doing matters. I love it when science confirms God's word. I don't know, maybe they were reading Matthew 3.17 when they came up with the study. I have no idea. But the, the, the truth is, we all need these things. And because we all need these things, what would happen if we could get them in a place that, that didn't just give us what we need, but also gave it to us in the context of a wide angle view of our life. Because the truth is, we're all naturally gonna gravitate to the place where we get these things. And so many of us, like I already pointed out, we go looking in the wrong places for it. So what would happen in your life if you could get these things that we know we need, not just in the context of self, but in the context of God's view of your life, in the context of getting truth at the same time. What would that mean? Well, I would tell you a couple things. I would tell you that if you could get that, then there is nothing that you couldn't accomplish. And really the truth is, 
You have to have these things if you're gonna fulfill what God has for you. You know, there's a verse of scripture that I didn't read to you, uh, verse 10 of Ephesians 2, right before where I started, says that God has prepared good works for us to do. He's created us for a purpose. He wants us to walk those things out. And the only way that, that you can walk that out and fulfill it and experience it is to have these three things in your life. And so if that's necessary, then, then I have just three things that I wanna tell you. And the first one is this, is that we need to be in a place where others can see it in us. We need to be in a place where others can see it in us. That's what I love about Paul. See, see, Paul gives us an example of how this is supposed to play out. Paul, I told you a little bit about him. He would go around, he would plant all these churches, start all these churches, and then what he would do is, is he would write them letters to encourage them and to strengthen them and teach them doctrine, but he would always tell them what he saw in them, the God-given gifts, the God-given potential, how God wanted to use them, what God wanted to do in their life. In fact, there was this one church that Paul wrote to, and he said this, he said, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Now, when I read that, I'm like, really, Paul? You're sure? Because I'm, I'm not even sure that I'm sure of this. I, I want to be sure like Paul is sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I'm not sure. And the reason Paul writes, I'm sure of this, because apparently there were a number of people he was writing to that weren't sure. He says, I'm sure I want you to be sure. Can I, can I be real with you for a minute about something I'm not sure of? Can I do that? Some, sometimes like, sometimes I'm not sure of God's plan for my life. I know some of you are like, man, this is my first time at church. The pastor's not even sure of God's plan for his life. What am I getting into? Understand me. I'm not sure of God's plan for my life on my own. But you know what happens when I get around some people believe in me, when I get around some people who can see things in me, when I get around some people who've been places where I haven't walked, but I want to walk, and they said, hey, I've been here, and you're doing the right things, and you can, like, I see it in you. You know what happens? I begin to believe it. I begin to see it myself, and I'm not saying, like, the purpose of the Bible is for you to understand completely God's plan. I'm just saying that you need people in your life who can see it in you, Think about this, like the, like the people that you care about the most, the people that are most important to you, you're gonna become what they see in you. It's just true, you're, 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 you're gonna become and walk out how they see you. That's why I was with the family this week and, and they were talking about their son and what they believed their son was gonna accomplish and what he was gonna do. And I was so encouraged because I'm like, there's no question he's gonna do that. He's getting that from his parents all the time about what he's gonna accomplish, what he's gonna fulfill. You're gonna become what people see in you. That's why it's so important that you be in a place where people can see it in you. But not just see it in you. You need to be in a place where people will say it to you. People will say it to you. Uh, we, we've all been to funerals and people get up and they say a lot of nice things and without fail, happens every time, somebody gets up and says, I wish I could tell them what they mean. I wish they were here right now so I could tell them what they mean to me, how much I love them, the difference they made in my life. Can I tell you something? 
Let's, let's have those relationships right now. Let, let's not wait to start living that way. If you don't get anything else out of this message, take this with you. If you think something good, say it. Give life to it. Don't hold on to it. Release that gift. If you think a good thought, don't just say, I was thinking about you. Now say it. Text that person, write that letter, pick up the phone and call them. Let's have those relationships right now. We need people in our life who can see it in us, people who will say it to us, but we also need to be in a place that will sustain it for us. And that's what the church is. It's a place that's gonna sustain it for you. Paul said, he who began a good work in you will complete it. But in the space between, we need a place that's gonna sustain it. And can I tell you something? Like, just the fact that you're here right now, regardless of where you stand with God, how you feel about Jesus, it is proof positive that God has started something in your life. You might be, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know how to tell this to you, but I'm pretty sure God's gonna finish what he started. Well, are you trying to trap me or something, Pastor? I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He finishes what he starts. He does, his, God is so crazy about that. It's actually one of his names. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the author and the finisher. My name is Finish and my name is Start. Whatever I start, I always finish. That's my name and everything in between. God is gonna finish what he started in your life. But in the space between, you need to be in a place that's gonna sustain it. And that's why you need the church. It's why you belong here. It's the best place to be for you to fulfill the plans that God has for you. And so that's why I wanna invite you in a next step. You know, so many times we make church about belief, just believe, believe, believe. And I'm for that, not against that. But I wanna tell you, you're not just called to believe, you're called to belong. I mean, think about in the Garden of Eden, where there was no sin, life was perfect. The first thing God said, it is not good for man to be alone. In other words, you were created for community. In other words, your relationship with God is personal, but it's not meant to be private. You belong here. 